Welcome to Behind the Scenes with Brian, the podcast covering everything from engineering, mining, and mine waste management to whatever else may be on our minds. Pop in your headphones and don't forget to rate, subscribe, and share. And now, here is your host, Brian Ulrich. Hey everyone, this is Brian, and this is Behind the Scenes with Brian, and today I am joined by Arnold Star Boosman from Minehub. Arnold, how are you today? I'm very good. Very good. Good, good, good. And it seems to me like we're in the very last stages of the pandemic, and I hope it hasn't negatively affected your life and your your work and your family too much. Well, actually, during the pandemic, it was in some ways it was it was nice because it supports as a business what we're doing, but it also kept me at home and spent time with family and whereas normally I'd be on the road. So it's it's pros and cons. But I think since it's um since the pandemic restrictions have been lifted, the, the traveling has come back with a vengeance. Um so but so anyway, it's good. All good though. Good yeah, it was yeah, it was it was kind of enjoyable when the planes weren't flying so much or at least people weren't flying on planes. But yeah, like you say, it's it's back for sure. For sure. And I I think the pandemic did teach us quite a few things like being able to work remotely more often maybe not being on an airplane for some of the meetings we used to attend absolutely yeah yeah, it has some positive uh, outcomes from it yeah uh, tell us tell us a little bit about yourself your background your education sure so i'm i'm based in netherlands uh i've got my um that's also where I did my uh, my university um, degree. I actually was born in Tanzania, raised in Ghana before that, um, but with a Dutch nationality. So um, yeah. uh, I did uh, mathematics and computer science at Utrecht University, got a master's degree in that, and um, started on a PhD in computational fluid dynamics and high-performance computing. And But after a year, I, I figured that that wasn't really my long-term thing right so um i um i left that i did my military service and then uh, joined uh, uh, a small software development company for a while uh, moved to pricewaterhouse and up doing management consulting uh globally for uh, large uh, corporates and then um <clears throat> from the i started working for pricewaterhouse i think on the first of february 1998 and the Partner that I was going to work for that has already told me that I would never work in Holland for price for that. So and I was on the road since then. Um, I decided to move to London. Um, I met a um, uh, I met someone there in, in London. She became my girlfriend, and at some point uh, we um, we moved to New Zealand, uh, where she's from, and uh, had a couple of kids there. And yeah, I spent ten years, close to ten years in New Zealand, and then back in the Netherlands and working for banks and uh, doing the entrepreneurial thing. Um, spent a lot of time in Asia as well, uh, so very, mm. very much footprint globally, uh, but yeah. uh, based here. Yeah. So you mentioned growing up in Ghana. I've been to Ghana a few times, and I find it to be practically a paradise. How was that to to grow up in Ghana? I remember being fantastic. Obviously, it's uh, uh, I need to discount for the fact that I've uh, that my we were part of the expat community, so quite privileged. Yeah. 
in, in, in how we live and what we can do. But as a um, as a kid between the age of three and eleven, being blissfully unaware of that, uh, I, I absolutely loved it. Right, yeah. lots of space, uh, great people, um, only only good memories. Uh, other than a couple of times where we needed to, where we were evacuated because there was a military coup or some of that, but that's uh, those yeah. are the <laughs> also, also yeah. part of the adventure, I guess. Yeah, I suppose so. I suppose so. Yeah, it sounds like you've been uh, lots of places in the world and and led a pretty interesting life. Uh, if if you could choose one of those places to live besides the Netherlands, where would you go? That's a difficult one. So mm. I enjoyed my time in New Zealand a lot um, because of the potential there. But it's um, I also made a. I also don't feel I want to be in New Zealand um, at this stage of my career because it's just too far away from everything. Um, yeah. But thinking back, I mean, I, th I think Ghana would still be a great option, but I, I would struggle to convince the people in my household to <laughs> to make them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, uh, back in 1999, my boss asked me if I didn't want to move to South Africa to help run the engineering down there. So I came home and asked the, the wife and two kids, what do you think about moving to Africa? And in unison, they all said no, which surprised me. And then I, I timidly said, what about South Africa? And I could swear that my my uh, little children cursed at me. But we did. We did move to South Africa and we were there for four years and had a wonderful time. Fantastic. Yeah. I think it's such a good experience, but uh, yeah. I guess as we were discussing it, I had a, I really enjoyed my time in London, and I think that will be mm. the place where I could come and get everybody saying, "Yep, let's do that." Uh, to uh, to go back to London. Yeah, I plan to go there later this year, and it is kind of a magical place. It so, is. It is. Yeah. So tell us about MindHub. What does MindHub do? So MindHub is a is a platform. It's sort of. It's a stable of projects that started out in uh, a couple of years ago. Mindup um, is look, looking at it's an enterprise platform focused on enabling companies in supply chain to do business in a digital way rather than the current way of working, which is heavily paper based. Um, to um, Start out. Let me let me go back a little bit to Genesis. So I was at ING Bank for for many years, working in their commodities business, and yeah. uh, banks want to go digital, um, but to go digital, the party that you're lending to, etc., needs to be able, willing, or able to go digital. And supply chains, they haven't really changed for centuries. Still very paper based, very paper heavy, which means it's difficult to go digital. So we we looked at op options. How could we build digital platforms and particularly physical commodity supply chains and energy, soft commodities, finance, and then we started looking at mining and metals as well. We um, grasped on this concept um, of blockchain technology, not because we want to build crypto platforms or we're looking for a um, uh, a nil to use that hammer, uh, to hit uh, on the head with that hammer of blockchain, but we, yeah. we figured that the technology has the opportunity to decentralize um data governance like the, the in these supply chains it's very difficult to scale a, 
a central platform because everybody's worried about their data. Who has access to it? Is the competitor going to see it? Are they going to sell my data to the highest bidder? So mm -hmm. it's, there's a lot of resistance to adopting a platform. But if you can provide a technology that gives companies back the control over their data assets and the privacy and integrity, then uh, you might end up having the best of both worlds and a digital platform, which brings a lot of benefits and having control of your data assets. And that's what we started playing out and proving out. And um, here we are. What, what a lot of people don't know, even though supply chains in the last two years have been left front and center on, uh, on in the news, um, is that uh, for a shipment to take place, let's say a shipment of copper or iron or from, from a mine to a customer in China, there's a lot of parties involved. You got like 20, 30 parties that do something. They either uh, they buy the material or they put it on a boat or they inspect it or they finance it and there's agents and stuff like logistics providers. And those companies, they all they do is or what what they do is they collaborate on information. It's very information intensive. But the way they do it is uh, through sending each other chat messages and emails or sometimes paper in a courier bag that needs to cross the world. Uh, so it's very, so there's a lot of information floating around. So there's an enormous friction in supply chains that um, uh, friction associated with uh, the cost and, and time it costs to collect information, verify it, and track it. Verification is important because uh, quite often people will tell you what you want to hear, but not necessarily what the truth is, right? So you need the third party to verify it. Now that's, that cost is something that you solve through having just a shared database. If everybody, or a shared spreadsheet, if you just do Google Docs or Google Sheets, say so you put your data in there and people can see it, that cuts down on that uh, that's, that's data coordination problem. Um, and that's what we do with MindUp. We actually provide that shared environment where people can collaborate and share data. We remove all that friction from supply chains at the base level. And we, we get some added benefits. Um, one of them is that we suddenly this information is available for use. Um, regular in the in the in the in the pre-minor world, let's call it like that. People spend a lot of time processing information. So they they get an email, they rekey it into another system, and then they um, uh, print it out and they sign it and they scan it and they send it via another email to another party, and then off it goes. Right. And um, what we what we do is we we take away all that uh, all that effort and pain out of operations and that information becomes available while it's in transit it's not available so suddenly you start looking at okay so how do we do this uh, emissions accounting right scope three particularly emissions accounting it's almost impossible to do it with without a shared spreadsheet but now that we've got the shared spreadsheet suddenly it becomes easy uh, how do we do this compliance verification from an ESG perspective, how do we know there's no child labor involved in this particular product? Um, but also um, things like an essay exchange, which is a quite a painful process in concentrates uh, markets, and every transaction suffers from it. We, we build a solution 
together with industry leaders that completely streamlines that process. It's fantastic. And, and our users love it. So suddenly you can use the information, not just process it. And that's uh, that creates new benefits and, and new um, and new business model opportunities. Sorry, that okay. was very long yeah. describing what, what, what we do. Yeah, still still yeah. lots of questions to be asked, but uh, you mentioned being paperless, which is obviously greener than than the, uh, the the former methodology. A lot of times, blockchain gets criticized for being uh, energy intensive. Um, mm. Reason stuff. Um, so how do you how do you respond to that? Well, first, energy, the blockchain, uh, energy intensive blockchains tend to be public blockchains where they use proof of work um, protocols to have that uh, provide that public nature and decentralization. That's energy intensive. So we're talking about Bitcoin, Ethereum, stuff like that. Yeah. We're, we're a private blockchain. We use enterprise blockchain, private blockchain technology. It's more around a distributed ledger and keeping multiple physical versions of data in sync. It doesn't require proof of work. The computational intensity, I mean, you should be able to run on a mobile phone. Uh, so from an environmental footprint, it's it's very, very minimal. Oh, um, very nice. Very no. nice. Yeah. Could you give us an example of, uh, let's say from the mining world, and you don't have to name names, but how would a mining client benefit from your um, services? Uh, I think for the mining companies that we, we work with, they, they see a number of benefits. Uh, one of them is um, interesting enough, like most technology in commercial settings where we are, it is used to, its primary purpose is to reduce the friction between you and your customer in terms of doing business with each other. And um, so what MineUp does, it it's enables mining companies to provide their customers with a much better customer experience in doing business with them. So this is visibility of shipments, uh, providing uh, compliance-related data, uh, everything real-time, self-service. There's a mining companies, their customers spend a lot of time calling the mining companies, where is my cargo? What's the latest status? Which port is it going to? Um, right. So that's, that's what we're changing. The other thing is um, resilience. I think most mining companies that ship product to China, they will have experienced uh, challenges with cash flows, uh, delayed payments, etc. in the last couple of months because of the lockdowns. Uh, mm -hmm. By going paperless, uh, basically, you you remove the need for couriers to physically deliver documents, which was one of the challenges that we uh, uh, that we had. Um, enables digital transformation. Many companies have, many companies have spent billions, sometimes if hundreds of millions, if not billions, on on big ERP systems to enable the enterprise to go digital. Um, and uh, yet, when they deal with their customers and their suppliers. It goes back to paper and email and chat messages and so like that. So it's very suboptimal. By going fully digital with a platform like MindUp, you you unlock that whole digital enterprise. Okay, and you mentioned child labor. So how does your services um, seek that out or ensure that child labor isn't used? 
Well, we can't do that, right? So we, what we can do though is provide companies, uh, customers, financiers, regulators, with um, with information that helps them make um, good decisions or informed decisions. So when we say we're not going out in the field, if somebody uses mine up to transact a shipment of cobalt, for instance, we're not going out to the field to make sure there's no child labor involved. Yeah, but what yeah. we do do, we do provide tooling for the mining company to um, get a third part, ask a third party, whether it's an auditor or an NGO, to verify the child labor free status of that shipment and sign off on it. So when you when you buy it, you know that uh, the 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 cobalt comes from this particular area, and a particular third party auditor has signed off on it. So. I guess it's with these things, it's often more important who provides the data or this sign off rather than the data itself. Yeah. I was going to ask you the same thing about conflict diamonds, but I think the answer would be basically the same. Yeah. Yeah. So as we we provide the tooling for companies to uh, provide real time authenticated information that people can trust and act on. so we don't we don't get involved in the certification itself. Yeah. Do, do, do you have any um, examples of success stories that you could share with us where MindHub was really the answer that your client needed, and and that uh, you know provided that service just um, just just the way it was needed. Yeah. yeah sure. There, there'll be a couple. I mean, MindHub is pretty pretty new. We've come out of a, uh, a number of years of product development, redevelopment, uh, piloting with with uh, many corporates globally. And we're now starting to, to roll out. Um, a particular example that, that I like is uh, coming back to our essay exchange solution, um, which most operations teams, everybody hates it because it's full of gaming and tricks. And there's if you make a small mistake, it can easily cost you a million bucks. Uh, so there's a lot of stress in that. And um, so we we built this tool. We took it. Um, we used it in a transaction that we did in the, with BHP and um, uh, MA Metals, which was in the in, in the press as well. And the feedback from the operations team, particularly, said, "Oh, this is so cool." Right? So uh, for me, that. Indicated a game-changing thing. If you can provide a tool in in that world where everybody is potentially spoiled with great solutions, and suddenly you can still make a big difference in in operations and the user experience, I think that's a that's a fantastic result. Yeah, yeah. I, I should have asked you first off the, the name of your company. How did you come up with that name? Mindup Technologies. Well, the the, the First, the guys that set it up based in Vancouver, they have a background in mining, capital markets. Um, and um, I was not involved in that process. I was still at ING Bank at the time, but they came up with a name. And for me, it immediately rang a bell because it's it made sense. And um, once I got more involved through uh, with, the, with the project, it made more and more sense. Um, so that's it. But it's, it's also potentially constraining because we have interest from all kinds of other markets. A couple of weeks ago, we spoke with a, uh, a meat produ- large meat producer in Brazil, for instance, or we yeah. 
I was working with a coffee grower and um, so I need to think about the branding. I I love the brand, uh, but whether yeah. we whether at some point confuses rather than supports, we need to see. Oh yeah, you could have a re re uh, branding, I suppose. Yeah, we thought about it, but it's actually it's actually not necessary. We get it is not necessary. We are doing we're scaling into the mining and metals uh, industry, and yeah. um, it's fully supportive of that. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, yeah, and you could also have a branch of Mine Hub that is Farm Hub or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, Oil Hub or yeah, yeah. But it's yeah, it's but if you if you follow that through, but most companies in supply chain they're not single product buyers or producers uh, like um, some of the mining companies. They want to use us for their upstream operations. Uh, because they've got similar challenges that their customers have with materials that they buy, like equipment, spare parts, tires, explosives, uh, stuff like that. And where is it? What is it? And then the question is, yeah, what do you call it? Mining supplies hub or um, mm-hmm. and construction industry? What well, we they're big consumers of metals, automotive industry. So, but they also re- use rubber. Yeah. So it's it's yeah, it's difficult to. Uh, we'll we'll keep it for now, but uh, yes, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. So Arnold, what what led to the development of Minehub? What what was the catalyst for that? It's seeing how things can be different, and a uh, and a general, I think, frustration with the way uh, these processes work and the cost of operations and the 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 the, the pressures that were increasing, uh, ESG disclosure. Uh, supply chain resilience and it's uh, it's really a recognition that it can't be done in the current way of working and be a profitable industry and so something had to change and um, the examples of digitalization in other industries and the benefits that unlocked I think they provided the um, uh, a lot of the inspiration for that yeah okay okay you know, I think I'm out of questions. Is there anything that I didn't ask you that you wanted to chat about? No, I think they're there. That's that's pretty good uh, in terms of uh, what, what we are working on. Um, I think it's. I continuously am amazed by um, the opportunities that are out there. Um, yeah. So it's, um, uh, my team gets up, gets worried if I talk to a new customer or a new partner. Because there's new ideas coming out of that one straight away, right? So we need to make sure yeah. that we channel it. But um, yeah. no, I think you've been pretty convincing. Yeah, okay. Okay. Well, you know, I always like to end these. Oh, first of all, what what is the website people would go to if they want to find out more about your company? It's www.minehub.com. Oh, okay. Um, Simple. Yeah. Yeah, and we've got a um, we're we're trading on the Toronto Stock Exchange, the Ventures Exchange, with a wow. symbol there. Um, okay. M Hub. We've uh, we've definitely been uh, enjoying, uh, well, not enjoying the the markets of the last uh, last period, but it's uh, yeah. Um, so we've got a presence there, um, and we bring regularly bring out news. Yeah. Okay. Well, Arnold, uh, I like to 
end these uh, conversations with asking if you've got any key takeaways or, or pearls of wisdom you could leave us with. Is there, uh, what do you, what do you think? Um, yeah, what I'd like to think is that um, for a lot, a lot of companies that are active in these supply chains, you see they're so busy with the day-to-day grind uh, that it's difficult to step back and see what people are actually working on. Uh, and this is what I mean by the friction. There's so much time being spent on um, that collecting, verifying, tracking information that any change is usually focused on doing that collecting slightly better or the verifying slightly better, right? So they're oh, not yeah. completely yeah. Taking, taking it away. And if there's one thing that I see in the 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 stress in the system at the moment the supply chain disruptions and the impact on uh, inflation and the subsequent interest rate rise I always I like to think that mineup as a tool will bring a lot more resilience to supply chains and we could take so much cost and risk out of supply chains that we would be a more effective uh, uh, let's say inflation buster than a central bank just uh, mm. by provide the technology focusing on yeah. that. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Well, I don't know. I, I know uh, I'm keeping you from uh, dinner and so I won't keep you any longer, but I really appreciate you coming on today and sharing with us uh, what MineHub does and, and about yourself as well. Thanks, Brian. Happy to have uh, to be here. Thank you very All much. Right. Great. And, and uh, okay. enjoy your week and, uh, catch up again someday sounds good all right good. thank you bye-bye well that's it i'm brian and this is behind the scenes with brian until next time keep on rocking <laughs>